0: every perfect gift is from above coming from the father of lights and with him there is no variation or shadow of turning did you hear that every generous act and every perfect gift comes from god now that shouldn't surprise us because we have a loving god in fact go back about six weeks When it came Christmas time, did you give something, did you give your best to your loved ones and friends at Christmas? Hello? Have you already gone to sleep on me? I mean, I asked that, did y'all see that I asked that question and they didn't even shake their head no or yes. Already in Never never Neverland. Did you give people something that you love, what you thought they might want? Because you didn't have to give them anything they needed because most of us have what we need. And yet God loves us. In fact, Scripture tells us that if we want to give good things to our loved ones and we're so evil, wonder how much God wants to give us good gifts. This Scripture today talks about God's gift of love for us. Now, this may be old hat, but I hope today it'll take on just a little new life because here's what I'll tell you. We live in a world... That is, sick. Think about it. God gave, in the beginning, a perfect world, a perfect couple, perfect paradise. Everything was perfect and there was only one rule. Now, I don't know where all the teenagers are today, but teenagers, would you love something with just one rule? Just remember one rule. And we didn't keep, get that right. We messed that up. But I want you to think about it. In chapter 3 of Genesis, when sin entered the world, God said, don't be disobedient. And when when disobedience came into the world, have you thought about how quickly we began to descend into the depths of sin? In chapter 4 with Cain, you know what you find in Cain? First of all, you find disobedience homegrown in Cain because... God told him what he wanted as a sacrifice, and he just disobeyed. And then he became arrogant because he thought, God, I can give you what I want to give you, and you got to accept it. How much is that like 21st century Christendom? We give God whatever we want, the leftovers, and we think he has to accept them. And then Cain's disposition changed to anger because God didn't meet Cain on Cain's terms. And he not just he didn't just get angry with God, he got angry with his brother, and so murder came in the world. And if you follow chapter 4, 5, and 6 of Genesis, you find that in chapter 6, God said, I regret I ever started this in the first place. And so I just want to give you this picture. He's God. If he regretted that he made man, why didn't, instead of reducing the population to seven... Why, did, why, did, why didn't he just annihilate us and start over? It's because he loves us. It's because he loves us. Now, listen, he doesn't overlook sin. He still punishes sin. The wages of sin is still death. But he loves us. And I believe this scripture, Brother Terry, today tells us about God's gift of love. And I want you to think about it in two dimensions today. If you have the, your bulletin, you can flip over on the back and you follow along. I I want you to think about it in two dimensions today. First of all, I want you to think about God's love for us. God's love for us. Now, have you ever really thought about it? If you you pick up this Bible and you turn back to the first verse of uh, uh, chapter 8, it says, therefore, no condemnation now exists for those in Christ Jesus. Now, did you hear that? We know that we're sinful creatures. We know that sin still is, is to get punished. And yet here it says there's no condemnation. I want to know how to get in on some of that no condemnation stuff. It sounds pretty good to me. How about you? I mean, when it's all said and done, don't you want to be, to lay behind this condemnation of sin? Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? All right, we're going to be here all day long. That food's going to get cold. But God's love extends to us. It is for us. Now, how do we know this? We can flip to our scripture today. At verse 31, it says, what do we say about these things? If God is for us, who in the world can be against us? So God is for us. He gives us his love. His love extends, and it has its beginning of creation. So understand his love. First of all, understand the depth of his love. The depth of his love. Have you ever thought about how deep God's love is for you, for me? Twenty years ago, there was a song that went something like this. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. That He would give His Son to die to make a wretch his treasure. You know who that wretch is? It's you and me. If you look there in verse 31, it says, He did not even He did not even spare His own Son, but offered Him up for us all. You see, God hated sin so much that it had to be dealt with, and He loved us so much that He did not even spare His Son. And here it says He offered His Son. But I suspect that's not the whole story. John 3.16 says He gave His Son. Romans chapter 4 says He delivered His Son. You know what He did? He did not go through heaven and say, And looked to see who he could find to go and take care of your sin. He didn't go up there and say, who will go down and take care of these people? He knew there was only one person. And he either could or he couldn't. And he chose to send Jesus for you. He chose to send him for me. That's the depth of his love. When you think about how deep the Father's love is. Can you think... About a tree. And the deeper the roots of the tree grow, the stronger the tree is. In fact, when we were in Hurricane, actually I lived through both Camille and Katrina, spent it in basically the same place. Is that it was amazing how many trees came up by the roots, and how many trees were broken down. And it depended on the root system, how deep and wide it was. How deep the father's love? It is deeper than we can imagine. It is so deep that he spared not. He didn't withhold his only son, but he delivered him up. But that's only one part of one clue of his love, the depth of his love. Number two, how about the design of his love? How did he design this thing? You know, people tell us that God loves us. He does. Look down in verse 34. Who is the one who condemns? Since there's no condemnation... Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more, he's been raised, and now he's at the right hand of God, and he intercedes for us. There is the design of God's love. Knowing what we needed, he sent Jesus. Now, here's, here's the design. Are you listening? Have I lost you yet? Jesus left heaven, and he came to earth, and he lived a perfect life. He died for our sin. He was raised for our justification. Alan, that means he made us right before God. And now he's ascended back to heaven where he sits at the right hand of the Father and he intercedes for us. Now, what does that mean? Well, if you take chapter 8 of uh, uh, Romans and you back up a few verses, it says that when we don't know what to pray for, when we just kind of utter words, when you lose your mom, when you lose your dad, when you lose your mate, when there's so much trouble going on around you that you have to do the best you can to speak the words, and Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father and he says, uh, Lord, I know what he said. But this is what he really meant. You see, that's the design of God's love. But listen, the depth of God's love and the design of God's love is only augmented by the determination of God's love. He hadn't given up on us. He hadn't given up on us. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Affliction, anguish, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? Please listen, folks. His love keeps on reaching. It doesn't matter if the world turns against you. His love's still there. It doesn't matter if your checkbook says we have nothing left and the month says you have a lot left. He still loves you. It doesn't matter if your mate says, get out, I don't want you anymore. God still loves you. You see, God's love reaches past whatever's going on in your life and it reaches to the depth of your heart. That's the determination of God's love. He is determined to let you know just how much He loves you. Now, that's the love of God for you. I don't know about you, but Brother Billy, as I begin to prepare this, I begin to get excited to think that God loved me. Does he know me like I know me? Better, Better thank you. <laughs> it's always wonderful to have preachers in the house. And yet he still loves me. Hey, Brother Billy, I know this is gonna shock you, but he loves you too. <laughs> The love of God for us, but I want to move to what I think is the most important part of God's love. I say the most important part, I don't think there's any lesser part or greater part, but I know this is the part that really that really grabs us at the heartstring and changes our lives. And that is the love of God in us. Now, when I look at verse thirty six It says, as as it is written, because of you we're being put to death all day long, and we're counted as sheep to be slaughtered. That really doesn't give you or me a picture of God's love, does it? We're led as sheep to be slaughtered? Actually, that verse is taken from Psalm 44. Psalm 44, we really don't know who wrote it, But the first eight verses says, you know, God, we know that you did this for our forefathers in days past. You made us victors. You made us conquerors. You protected us. And then from verse 9 to about verse 22, and this is verse 22, it talks about how God has abandoned them. It is obvious that they've sinned and God has taken his hand of blessing off of them. And then what follows verse 22 in Psalm 44 is a call to the Father to restore them, to repent, to awaken, and to protect them again. And you know what the truth is? It is a clear picture that God was working in them every step of the way because every time God works in our hearts and our lives, He works to bring us to the place where we seek Him. You know, we'll seek other things. We'll chase other things. But he brings us to the place that we seek him. When I think of the love God has in us, and I read this text, I'm reminded of three things. The success, the success this love gives. Now, don't anybody pass out or run out. Brother Jerry's not about to talk about name it, claim it. And if, you're, and if you love God, you'll have all the money in the world. Because, you see, you can, love, you can have all the money in the world and still not be successful. Look at what he says. In verse 37, he says, you know, even though you've been counted as sheep to be slaughtered, and even you're being put to death all day long, oh, guess what? Even in all these things, you're not just victorious. You're more than victorious. Did you hear that? You're more than victorious. You're more than a conqueror. That means if you have the love of God in you, you will win in the end. This afternoon, a couple of teams meet on the football field. Anybody know this? And everybody in this church knows that I've been a Saints fan since 1967. And I saw them, and I saw them play in Tulane Stadium, and I loved them at that time. I heard Fred Luter say Monday night, who is now kind of the acting chaplain for the Saints, Fred Luter said, you know, we put bags on our heads for a while, but now 43 years later, we're in the Super Bowl. Well, I never put a bag on my head. I love the Saints. Now, I think they've been kind of dumb along the way. But now listen, Teddy, you're going to appreciate this, friend. I have followed Peyton Manning since he played for which school? Tennessee. I've followed... I've followed... Peyton Manning since he played at Tennessee. Are we about to get out of hand here. Here's what I want to tell you. This afternoon, they take the field. Yeah, I'd like the Saints to win, but you know what? I don't particularly want Peyton to lose. So you know what? I'm in the best of both worlds. Whoever wins, whoever loses, I'm going to be victorious. Now listen, when we're in our Lord, it, everything else is flush because as long as we're in Him... It doesn't matter what goes on around us. We still win. We're more than conquerors. He gives us the victory through His Spirit. Okay, I'm about to take a lap. I love it that when we come to the Father and when His love is in us, that we are victorious. But I don't want you to just see the success of that love I want you to see the security that it brings. He says, I am persuaded. That means I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor rulers nor angels nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height, depth, or any other thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God. You know, what, folks, be cautious about someone who tells you that you can lose what God gives you. Because when God gives it, the only person I know that can take it away is him. And God is not an Indian giver. You see, the truth is, when you're sealed in the Spirit and you're wrapped in, your, in his love, you know what happens? Past, present, created, inanimate, it doesn't matter they can't take his love from you. Now I want to say this and here's the kicker and everything that's been said to this point is for right now. We live in a world that has misconstrued what it means to have the love of God in them. This culture thinks God is love so everything is okay. Okay. But please listen. Our Lord, our God, Jehovah, gave us a specific way for us to cash in on his love. And the love of God in us, the last thing, and to me the most important thing, is the salvation it offers. It is only... Look at... Don't you to look at this. Isn't, this. isn't this great? He ends this chapter that says... It will not have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And before anybody goes ho-hum, we'll look at verse 1. It says, there's now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The secret is to be in Jesus. The only way that the love of God will be in you is for you to be in Jesus. That means you have to recognize, first of all, that you're a sinner. It's not just a mistake. It's not just a bad choice. It's a sin. It's a sin. And your sin has to be dealt with. Jesus offers the way that he's already dealt with it if you just put your trust in him. And you invite him into your life to be your friend, your brother. You invite him into your life to be your Savior and your Lord. You invite him into your life, and he'll be your companion for the rest of your life. Number one athlete in the world, Tiger Woods. since late November we all know the saga it's ongoing when will it end but did you know or have you seen that one man has come out publicly and offered Tiger a real answer and he's taken a lot of heat for it if you've not seen it and you're on the computer go to YouTube and searched for Brit Hume in Tiger Woods. Brit Hume was interviewed on Sunday morning um, Fox. This is what he said. And he tried to say it, I thought, as kindly and as graciously as he could, but pointedly. He said, Tiger Woods is a Buddhist. He said, for what Tiger is trying to deal with right now, I don't think that he will find what he needs in Buddhism. He said, in fact, I think the only place that he will find a way to overcome and to move forward is if he converts to Christianity. Oh, yeah, he's taking heat for it. But he spoke the truth. Brothers and sisters, the only way for you to overcome what's going on in your life is if you'll give your life to Jesus and accept God's gift of love. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father.